Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. A very Merry Christmas, everyone. It's sort of a strange week. Christmas Day today as we record, and then on Saturday, the Peach Bowl. So there is a lot going on in both our personal lives and, of course, with the football team in Atlanta getting ready for the game. On game weeks, we usually have our game day segment on Tuesday with our writer or radio person, but everybody's schedule is out of whack trying to enjoy Christmas, cover bowl prep, and hang out with the team during all of the fun stuff they get to do this week. So today we're going to sort of reverse the order and have our visitors segment on. Joining us in just a minute will be Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. On Thursday, we hope to have beat writer Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. She has a crazy schedule this week, so stay tuned on that one. Before Scott joins us, my view from Section 17. Well, we haven't sold all of our tickets for the game yet, and I know there is not a lot of excitement for Saturday's game, at least not right now. I think to come Saturday, we'll all be ready and into the game. I know we're still disappointed. We thought this was the year we'd beat Ohio State, and if not reverse, at least changed the trend in the rivalry. Didn't happen. And losing to them meant no chance for a Big Ten championship and no playoffs. But it's done with. Playing Florida is still very meaningful. A lot of young guys got reps during bowl preparation, and we might see some of them on Saturday. A loss on Saturday wouldn't be the end of the world, but would, to me anyway, be very disappointing. A win in your bowl game changes your mindset through winter workouts, spring ball, and summer workouts. It can set the tone early for next August when camp gets underway. Florida is a worthy opponent. A win over this team would be huge. And don't think the Gators won't be amped up for Saturday's game. They turned things around this year under first-year coach Dan Mullen, and they desperately want to show their fan base the program is back on track. My guest today says not everyone in the Florida contingent is excited to play Michigan again, but they realize beating us would be a huge statement game for them. Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com is up next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. 
here with us on our visitors segment today as we get ready for Saturday's Peach Bowl is Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. Scott, good of you to join us. Hey, glad to be here and uh, looking forward to this matchup. Seems like it's one that uh, we're familiar with. With I think uh, Florida Michigan, they're in the same conference now, aren't they? Well, it's what it does seem like that, doesn't it? I mean, we played in 2015 and 2017. And, you know, ever since the, the bowl assignments were handed out of the bowl bids, I should say, it just seems like the, uh, at least on this end, the Michigan fan base, there has been, you know, just a lack of excitement about going to the Peach Bowl. Probably a lot of that has to do because of how the season ended for Michigan, you know, getting shellacked by Ohio State. But what about the Florida fan base? Is everyone really amped up for this? That's yeah, a similar tone, Mike. Uh, you know, Florida... Big win over Florida State to end the season uh, for different reasons. I think I think the Michigan matchup is is one that you know they played. What this will be the third time in the last 38 Florida games, and that's going to be the same amount that they played their SEC rivals over that span. <laughs> so I think down this way, uh, the matchup has dampened it more than anything. You also got to remember Michigan stumped the Gators a couple of times. So I think from a Florida fan perspective, from what I've just encountered they would have liked a different kind of matchup uh but the game the team it's, it's been a good season for Ford. i think fans are excited that they're back in a big bowl a new year six bowl uh it's just that you know the matchup kind of uh left something to be desired it seems from the florida fan base well these gators scott are nine and three last year under coach uh, McElwain, the offense was not very good uh, this year, though, the offense has averaged 426 yards a game. Uh, Coach Mullen and his spread offense have been much more effective, hasn't it? Yeah, he's really uh, put, uh, you know, I, I say he's maximized what they had. And the big the big part of that, obviously, is they've managed Felipe Franks. Uh, they played to his strengths, not put him in situations that kind of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, cause him trouble in his weaknesses. And that's really worked out well. He's thrown 23 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. And, uh, you know, he's had a few bumps in the road. But for the most part, Franks has been consistent. You look back, I mean, he made his first career start against Michigan in that game out in Arlington, Texas, so from the 2017 season. So he's only in his second year, but the, he's just made such tremendous strides under Dan Mullen in year one. Uh, really a different kind of quarterback than we saw at all last year. And he's gotten better as the years going on. And, uh, you know, they're looking at, you know, he's the quarterback situation here, it's, it's been one that has been dissected over and over the last decade, really. And uh, Franks, I mean, he's had as good of a season as a Florida quarterback has had since Tim Tebow. I mean, uh, he's the he's got his 23 touchdowns are the most since Tebow threw 30 in 2008. So that kind of gives you an idea of the struggles that Florida has had at that position. And while he still faces his critics, overall, you know, if Felipe Franks didn't have that kind of improvement, uh, you know, Florida's not in this bowl game, and they're certainly not 9-3 and three in Dan Mullen's first year. Well, as you said, Scott, his number is very good, and we did see him, I think, in his first start last year to uh, open the season. But just for the benefit of Michigan fans who have really, since then, not seen Felipe Franks, give us an idea of what kind of a quarterback he has developed into, what kind of style. You know, he's your classic drop-back passer, and I think his strength, I mean, he's got a big arm. He, he's, he can make all the throws. 
Uh, he's athletic enough to where we've seen him make uh, runs that you're like, whoa, he, re- he reeled off a 70-yard run last year against Texas A&M. So he's got what they're looking for back there. Uh, his weakness has been really being a- impacted in a negative way when something goes wrong. And that's the biggest thing that I think Dan Mullen and his staff have kind of tried to reach him on. They're like, look, we like your ability. We like what you can do in our offense. But you can't go into the tank when you throw a pick or get sacked or have a bad pass. And I think that's where he's made his most uh, progress from in, in year two. But uh, as a quarterback, you're going to see, you know, your traditional drop-back guy, he's 6'6". He added about 15 pounds this year. He's up to about 240, 242. So he's a big guy back there. He can take hits. He can stand in the pocket. And he's just – it just took, takes time, as you know, with these quarterbacks, mm-hmm. the young guy who – didn't really ever have any kind of uh, failure in high school. And then last year he faced uh, adversity for the first time and didn't always handle it well. But I think this year he's, he's managed that a lot better. And like I said earlier, the key to me is Dan Mullen has really put him in situations to to succeed instead of putting him in risky spots where – he can fall into that, you know, mental trap of uh, just getting too down on himself. Well, the Gators run that spread offense, and like most teams, Michigan has played uh, this year some variation of the spread offense. But this is an offense, despite the great numbers we talked about with Felipe Franks, this is an offense that wants to run the football, and they've done it pretty well, haven't they? Yeah, no doubt. You know, we'll make Michael P. Ryan and uh, Jordan West, Jordan Scarlett. Those two guys have been key to to the success that Franks has had because, I mean, they do want to run the ball. Dan Mullen, he wants a very balanced attack. He's known uh, in his uh, success in developing quarterbacks, but if you look at his offensive history, he's always had a solid running game to where the quarterback doesn't have to, you know, throw 40 or 50 times a game. And I think that's exactly what's happened in year one for him at UF. Uh, Basically, Scarlett was a guy that was suspended all of last year uh, he came off a sophomore season two years ago when he had over 800 yards. So losing him last year really hurt, but they got him back. But Michael P. Ryan's continued to improve. And uh, a true freshman, Damian Pierce, has had his moments. And those three guys really helped out because they lost their breakaway guy, Malik Davis, early in the season due to a knee injury. Uh, but, but Florida, if they're going to go up and beat Michigan, the tough defense that the Wolverines have, they're going to have to run the ball. They can't. Uh, rely on Felipe Franks to do it all by himself. Well, as we mentioned, though, Felipe Franks has put up good numbers in the passing game to go along with that running game. Talk about the uh, the Gator receiving core and some of the names we're going to be hearing and seeing this Saturday. Hey, you know, National Signing Day just passed them last year when Dan Mullen got to Ford. He only had about three weeks to put together his first class. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, two of the key guys he got were transfer receivers. One, Van Jefferson from Ole Miss and a former teammate of Shea Patterson, the mm-hmm. Michigan back. And number two is uh, Trayvon Grimes, another guy who played uh, at Ohio State. And uh, he, they both came in. They were both uh, had to wait all summer to, to see if they were going to be ruled eligible to play in their first year. They both were. And those guys have really anchored the receiving core. Uh, Jefferson just gave him a veteran presence, uh, a guy that – he, he's he's you know makes all he runs good routes makes the catches that he has to and he's good for a big play here and there Grimes is a bigger play kind of guy and then some of the young guys around him Freddie Swain 
had a really good year, breakout season for him. Josh Hammond is kind of the guy who is just consistent, not exactly flashy, but uh, he's part of the game plan each week. So those four guys is a, uh, is a real strong four core for uh, Felipe Franks. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, again, we talk about Florida's lack of quarterback play in recent years or success. The receiver core is also struggled and, uh, they're tied together, obviously, but this is probably the best receiver uh, unit that Florida's had in several years. Coach Mullen being, you know, I wouldn't call him a disciple of Urban Meyer, but he's coached under Urban Meyer. He had to take notice of how the Buckeyes attacked the middle of Michigan's defense with those crossing routes. Is that something Florida likes to do a lot in the passing game? They do. Uh, Mullen has used the middle of the field a lot more than Florida has in recent years. Uh, you know, he goes to the tight ends there. Uh, you've seen Van Jefferson, Traven Grimes, the two guys we just mentioned. Both of those guys, uh, it's not unusual to see them uh, with crossing patterns. So, you know, Mullins actually joked a couple of times that maybe uh, he would talk with Urban Meyer about some of the things that they had success with against Michigan, which obviously is a smart move on his part. Him and Urban Meyer have a you know a close relationship, worked for many years together. Uh, so you bet that they're going to study some of that film and see if they can exploit some of the weaknesses there too because, I mean, this is a Michigan defense that until that performance had really been dominant. Uh, so you got to kind of tap into whatever was working in that loss to uh, see if you can you know, gain a little bit of an edge here. With us on our visitor segment today as we uh, take a look at Saturday's big matchup between Florida and Michigan in the Peach Bowl is Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. Scott, over on the defensive side, the Gators have allowed 175 passing yards per game and 169 rushing yards per game. How would you sum up this Gator defense and their overall play this season? Well, they they were coming off really a a bad defensive year last year. I mean, it was a bad year in all areas when you go four and seven. But it was uh, we hadn't seen a Florida defense struggle like a year ago in quite a while. So you wondered how they were going to turn it around. And, yeah, I mean, Dan Mullen's a coach who's known for offense, but he, he came in and hired Todd Grantham as defensive coordinator. And Grantham is a, you know, he's a blitz-heavy, a very aggressive coordinator. And and Florida, they, they've improved. I think they finished the in the late or high 20s, low 30s nationally in total defense in the regular season. So they did much improve there. And they got – some production we didn't see coming from uh, the young pair of defensive ends, Ja'Kai Polite, who had 11 and a half sacks. That's the most for a Florida player in more than a decade. Jabari Zanigo on the other side had a good season. Uh, they really rendered C.C. Jefferson, who figured to be the the leader of that pack up front. They kind of turned him into a, a role player because they developed and really busted out in Grantham's defense. And uh, this is a defense that also – had to uh, overcome the loss of starting cornerback Marco Wilson early in the year due to a season-ending knee injury. And they had a freshman that stepped in, Trey Dean, who's done well. And you got a Michigan product in the middle at linebacker, David Reese. Uh, missed the first couple of games of the year due to an injury, but once he got back on the field, Mike, he kind of picked up and, again, was the stabilizing force at middle linebacker and a veteran a guy, junior, that they, they rely heavily on to you know set the tone over there. So it's a, it's a much improved Florida defense than we saw a year ago, and it's a little different than we've seen just in Grantham's 3-4. He runs a lot of 3-4. Uh, 
uh, a very attacking style. They've given up some big plays, but they've also made a lot of big plays and uh, did well in the turnover game. Well, for Michigan fans, a lot of the talk in the last week, Scott, has been about who will not be playing. Uh, Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, and captain uh, running back Karan Higdon. Do the Gators have anyone sitting out this game on Saturday? As of right now, no one's sitting out. You know, the big question was Chauncey Gardner, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who, you know, he's a junior uh, defensive back. He announced right after the victory over Florida State that he was going to, you know, turn pro. But he's been practicing, plans to play. Uh, so in our latest report, everybody sort of Florida is still uh, planning to play. Uh, no one's going to sit out. And, you know, it's always – when you, you, especially like in Michigan on the defensive side, I mean, a couple of their best defensive players aren't going to be in this game, which uh, I'm sure up there that's probably not sitting too well. I don't think Franks and the Gators are too concerned about it. But again, at this point, Florida has no one uh, you know planning to skip the game. Well, you never know uh, how a game's going to play out. But from a matchup perspective, do you think the Gators stack up pretty well with Michigan? Well, I think they do better than last year. Uh, I, I still think the matchup, Mike, the, you know, is going to be the most interesting one to me is obviously Michigan's defense against Felipe Franks and this revamped offense. Uh, last year in Arlington, uh, Texas, I mean, Michigan really dominated. If it was not for a two pick sixes, uh, the Gators would have only had a field goal in that game. And once Michigan got their offense going in the second half. They dominated both lines of scrimmage. And I think this is a, a Florida team that's uh, certainly, you know, a, a big storyline besides Franks this year has been the improvement in the strength and conditioning area, which a lot of times when a, a new guy comes in and takes over, that's always a popular storyline. It, it was something that was evident with this Florida team early on. You just saw a team that was uh, better conditioned, uh, stronger, a lot of guys picked up some weight, and and it played out over the course of the season. So I'll be interested also to see that Michigan physicality, which we know all about. You know the Wolverines over the years. That's that's their one of their uh, strengths against the Florida team that's got speed, but also improved uh, its muscle some this year. So to me, the the battle in the trenches is always important. And then how is Felipe Franks going to you know handle that Michigan defense? Well, you know, it's always interesting, Big Ten, SEC matchup. And from a national perspective, the Big Ten is perceived, I think to this day, and I go back a long time in the conference, but perceived (laughs) as a conference that plays, for the most part, a slow, plotting style of football as compared to other conferences and doesn't have the speed that a conference or the teams in the SEC have. Do you think that is still how SEC fans view the Big Ten? I think there's some truth to that perception down here. I mean, I, that's just one of those things that's hard to kind of uh, recast because it's been the perception for so many years. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how – I don't know in reality if it's, if there's a disparity like that maybe that it once was. I mean, I think Urban Meyer, uh, when he's, what he's done at Ohio State, he obviously has a lot of players that look very similar to the ones he had at Florida in his years here during his stint in Ohio State. Michigan, Jim Harbaugh's got some great athletes there. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there's, like I said, there's probably some truth in that because, again, we saw it last year play out in the Florida-Michigan matchup. Michigan was clearly the, the bigger, stronger team, and they dominated that game uh, physically. 
so you can win both ways. I mean, speed can win you a lot of games, but so can that muscle. And um, I just know that Florida, they they they're not they don't care about any kind of perceptions because Michigan has owned them. I mean, these teams have met four times. What I think since the early two thousands, Florida's zero and four against Michigan. So whatever the perception is. Uh, the Big Ten has had the edge in this rivalry. Well, it most certainly is a big game for Michigan. They want to bounce back from that Ohio State debacle, get that taste out of their mouth. But it's also a huge game for Coach Mullen and his Florida program in so many ways, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it really is. I mean, the I think winning for, the beating Florida State and snapping that five-game losing streak in, in that rivalry I looked at that as bigger than any bowl game that Florida could go to or any opponent beating them because they really needed that uh, just from a, a fan standpoint, kind of similar to what's going on with the Michigan-Ohio State robbery right now. But then you move past that and you go into this matchup and you know they have a chance at a 10-win season, which if you'd asked me four months ago if Florida won 10 games this year, I would have said, man, Mullen works some magic because I had them pegged for – maybe seven, eight wins. If they got to nine, I thought that'd be a really big season. But here we're talking a chance of a 10-win season, which would only be the 15th one in school history. Uh, I think only the third one in this decade. And uh, for, for Dan Mullen and his staff, that would be a huge kind of cherry on top to the season and what they've been able to do in year one. I, I think, uh, I think you know, from that standpoint, yeah, it is a huge game for Florida. And also just, I think this matchup added a little bit more incentive for Florida because they have had such uh, struggles against Michigan. So even though maybe the fan base hasn't been excited to face Michigan again, I think if Florida can go up there and get a win, then I think it just adds to some of the momentum because of that you know, past failures against the Wolverines. Well, I think it's going to be a good game. I can't wait for it. Uh, but of course, over the next few weeks, uh, the main focus is going to be the playoffs. So I like to ask everyone I talk to, Scott, can anyone beat Alabama? You know, until somebody doesn't, Mike, I'm going to say no. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm to the point now where I'd like to see somebody beat Alabama. <laughs> but what Nick Saban's done is just remarkable to me. Uh, I still think they're the best team in the playoff. Uh, I think I, I, I see it being a, a Clemson uh, Alabama title game. Uh, and then, you know, Clemson did show that they can beat them. But, uh, I mean, Alabama's, what, 54-3 and three in the last four years. That's just amazing. Yeah, me. it's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Well, a final question for you, Scott, then we'll let you go here. But uh, the playoffs have been such a huge success. But they have impacted the interest in the bowl games. There is no question about that. But the drumbeat is starting to, uh, and we're hearing this, to increase the playoffs to eight teams now. Do you think that is still a long way down the road, though? Uh, you know, six months ago, I thought so. But like you said, that drumbeat's been banging pretty heavy lately. I've even seen some officials who have a voice in the playoff uh, say maybe it is time to uh, kind of re just take another look at that situation. I think we've all thought all along that, yeah, it, it's going to go to eight teams eventually. Uh, and I think this year, you know, the UCF situation the last couple of years has certainly uh, added a wrinkle to that argument because, you know, whether or not you think their schedule's strong enough or not, 
you know, they've won 25 in a row and haven't really gotten a sniff of the playoffs. And I think if it was eight, eight teams, they would be in it this year. Um, so, you know, I, I just see that, that that's going to, that's moving up on the calendar. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I don't think we're looking at five years. I think it's going to be in the next, uh, you know, two, three, four years. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Our guest today has uh, been Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com. Uh, Scott, we've enjoyed having you on the show and would like to, uh, to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and enjoy your time in Atlanta this week. All right, well, same to you, Mike. Uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, we will keep it short. As of this morning, Christmas morning, we have no injuries to report. We will be in good shape for Saturday's game as of now. Of course, we will be missing Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, and Karan Higdon, but we've known that for some time. David Long and Lavert Hill are both going to play, and they said they will make their NFL decision sometime after the game, probably in the coming weeks. Ben McDaniels was elevated from offensive analyst to receivers coach after Jim McElwain took the job at Central. Per Jim Harbaugh this week, they would like to make him permanent after the bowl game. Michigan Hoops is up to number two in the AP poll, which is nice, but as we know, doesn't mean much in December. The team plays Binghamton this weekend, and then Big Ten play resumes, and it should be one heck of a winter in the conference, which from all appearances so far looks to be very loaded up. No easy games, especially on the road. And after the bowl game and the holidays, we will start talking a lot more Michigan hoops. As of right now, we plan on having our game day show on Thursday. My scheduled guest is the angel of the big house, Angelique Shingelis from the Detroit News. So make sure you join us. And I say right now we're planning on it. It has just been crazy trying to track down uh, one of our beat writers or radio people uh, during bowl week because, of course, it's Christmas Day today, so they've got Christmas things going on and following the team around to practice and bowl events. Pretty hard to pin people down, but again, uh, hopefully we will have Angelique for you on Thursday. That will do it for today, though. Once again, a very Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. I hope you are enjoying a day surrounded by those you love. And thanks for taking time to join us. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great holiday maize and blue week, everyone. We'll see you right back here on Thursday. Until then, take care. And as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!